comics, movies, music, video games, technology, Blu-ray, television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. The world we know is gone. No internet, no GPS, no text messages, no podcasts. In a world ruled by the dead, we are finally forced to start living. Seven of the Walking Dead TV podcast. Before I even introduce anybody, though, here is your one and only warning. This episode, we are ditching our no comic book spoilers rule just for this episode, and we're going to talk about issues 1 through 48 of the comic book. In addition to everything that has been aired of the TV show thus far, we're going to be comparing characters mostly, but also some storyline stuff. What was the same, what was different, and what was somewhat similar. So, if you don't want to hear any comic book spoilers at all, tune out now, we won't take offense, and we'll talk to you next time. But if you're sticking around, I'm Jordan from Jersey, and I'm joined tonight by... Aaron Newworth, Jim Dietz, and Russell Latham. How's everybody doing tonight? Doing well. Good. Happy new zombie year, everybody. Yes, yeah. 2014. We did it. <laughs> well, it we, was we survived, I guess. Take Sunday. that, T-Dog. I don't know. Where'd I go? <laughs> <laughs> Take that, baby new year. I don't know. Anyway, so we're going to be talking all about comic spoilers tonight. We're also going to talk some contest stuff and uh, lots of other fun discussion so, uh, who wants to start off looking at the first 48 issues of the comic book? Which, by the way, we should mention, if you want to check out those issues, they can all be found in Compendium Volume 1, which uh, contains the first 48 issues, or the first four hardbacks, or the first eight soft covers, or just the first 48 single issues, depending on how you pick them up. Or the first two deluxe hardcovers. <laughs> oh, that's right, there's the deluxe hardcovers as well. Um, <laughs> There's the Spanish language editions. There's a lot of ways to read this comic book. Do you guys want to start with the characters that are kind of similar or some some things that that maybe aren't so different? I, I've kind of I haven't really I, I kind of for those at home for those playing at home I've kind of created a, a little note uh, document for us to kind of work off of just to, if nothing else to spur conversation. But I didn't really write down the stuff where there's a lot of similarities or or I guess some. Some similarities. So I don't know if it, if you just want to get out of the way, like what we think, you know, character-wise, not to a T, but just in general, are are pretty similar to their to their comic counterparts. Can we name a character that we think is the most directly connected to the comic, the most like the character that we see in the comic? That sure, yeah. I'd be curious to what you think. I think it's Glenn. Glenn would be my choice for that. I think Glenn kind of fits exactly what I pictured Glenn as in the comic. The, the qualities of his character there versus the qualities of him in the sh- in the show pretty much match dead on. I can't really think I can say that about any of the other characters on this show versus the comic book. While Glenn, regardless of how much I like the character, and 
that said, Glenn is, Glenn's been my favorite character in the comic for some time, and in the show, pretty much he's always stuck around with him, even though lately he just hasn't had much to do for me to really get on board with Glenn's storylines compared to others. But, I mean, that's that's kind of where, where my head's been at in terms of matching a comic to a show. Not, not, not that that's dictating what makes me like the show, but certainly if I had to think of it in that light, Glenn would be kind of my go-to person in that regard. Yeah, I would I would agree with you there. I mean, the only thing I had in my notes on Glenn was that he he seems a tad younger in the comics, but not like strikingly so. You know, maybe just a couple years, uh, and maybe that's just my perception of how he's drawn by either Moore or Adler. But yeah, I I totally agree with you, Aaron. It's interesting too. I like characters, you know, that are similar or different than they are in the comics. It's also the timeline. I mean, look at what a big difference Shane's character. Who you know is fairly close to the comic character. I mean, having him survive on you know as long as he did in the series, how big of a difference that made to the story. Just having the one character still around and still alive. I mean, he was you know fairly quickly dispatched in the comics, uh, but you know in the show he was a he was a major presence for a while. That's interesting. Yeah, and I've I pointed out often how I think having Shane survive basically is the equivalent of of Biff stealing the almanac and changing, making an alternate history. Um, that's it's, yeah. it seems like that's the, that's kind of the, the reason that the show can function on a different level than the comic, because there's this weird alternate timeline going on of having Shane still around, which just messed up everything in terms of different characters. Who's has certain re- relations with who, who's acting certain ways because of what, like, I feel like, Shane is kind of a big cause of that. Not that that's you know the reason, the exact reason why that's happened, but yeah, I, I do. I was a big fan of Shane. I think people know that for sure. I, I was a big fan of John Bernthal's performance on the show, and I did like how his character certainly got a chance to expand far beyond whatever the comic was able to do because he did die so quickly. So it's it was interesting to see him how he played out, giving him more of a fleshed out role in this in the you know the TV version of the of the Walking Dead universe. You got more of a sense that. Shane and Rick were truly friends before all this craziness happened. And then, you know, that got to develop on screen for a while, regardless of what happened, you know, between him and Lori. But in the comic, you never you never really got that sense. And again, I think it's just because by issue six, you know, he's gone. So it, it, that accelerated time frame really, really, I, I think that's, you know, again, I think I'm preaching the choir, but I think that was one of the big pluses for the tv series was was deciding to to go that route i think kirkman certainly enjoyed that too since he i think he has, has sure. he said that he's kind of he kind of seeing how the show made it work out he kind of regretted having taken shane out so early in the comic yeah he probably too didn't think that you know 100 and you know almost 120 issues later that you'd still be going so you know i think a lot of those hasty decisions were you know this thing may not last yeah, for sure. <laughs> plus it's pretty rare like an author gets a second chance to you know, revise some ideas or maybe, you know, expand, change, kind of shuffle ideas around. And, it's, you know, it's almost like Kirkman going back and revising what he had done before in some ways, you know, like, sure. like you say, like leaving Shane alive. And then you see some characters that are so different from, from where they're, uh, the way they were portrayed in the comic, like Herschel, for instance, or, you know, I mean, think about the difference between Tyrese in the comic and Tyrese in the show. You know, I mean, the 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 distance between, you know, what those characters are and what they mean to the storyline and whatnot um, is, yeah. is, I mean, I, I I always joke that, you know, the, the TV show is like the Earth 2 version of The Walking Dead, you know, for, you know, make yeah. a comic reference. But um, it, it's it's kind of become its own animal, just not, not only because, you know, like you say, the, the 
you know, the characters that are the same, but very much because of the characters that are different. I mean, Herschel was not, I mean, other than when they were on the farm, Herschel was not a player in the, the Walking Dead story for very long. And in this, he was a major force for this entire time he was on the screen, you know, and, and there are subtle differences here and there, but I, I think the fundamental difference is the changes in some of those characters. It's almost like, you know, um, you know, Robert Kirkman's having a second chance to come back and take another bite, bite of the fruit. And, and, uh, you know, it, it's a rare thing that an artist gets to do that in a, you know, in a medium. So it's almost like a revision of what he, he, you know, gave before. Another couple characters, I think that for the most part are very similar to their, uh, to their TV show counterparts, and again, I think a lot of it was just they weren't there very long, but like Jim and Amy were both dispatched pretty early in the comic and the show, and in very similar fashion. I mean, those, those two characters exited almost identically to the way they did, you know, between the comic and the show, uh, and, and you, you got a real sense, especially Jim. I mean, he, you know, the actor they had playing him looked pretty much like he was pulled straight out of the comic. The way he died, you know, pretty much the way he died was very similar not exactly the same, but but the gist of it was pretty close. Well, yeah, I mean, even the blocking in that scene was visually uh, suggestive of the blocking in the original comic art where he was you know, sitting there by the side of the road on that little embankment or whatever. And that's another thing that's kind of weird that's popped up a few times that I've noticed in the series is that visually we get some of the things that are, I mean, especially in the finale of the, the second half of the season that just ended, um, where the, you know, the governor comes to attack the prison. I mean, there were some shots there that were almost like directly out of the comic, and it, but gotten to it in a totally different way with a totally different governor um, and, and, you know, a totally different, you know, motives for what was going on and totally, you know, and dealing with the aftermath of something totally different that had happened. But yet the visual motif that we'd already seen in the comic, it just, I thought that was really cool, you know. Yeah, in that regard, it's always neat to see the show acknowledge the fact that it does come from a previously established piece of source material, so you get a chance to kind of delve into that when you can, when you have, you know, visual clue, you know, cues, like having obviously like the, gov the governor's tank and cars kind of standing off against the prison, things like that, and it's it's neat when the show acknowledges that. Yeah, it's kind of a cool visual nod to the longtime fans. Yeah. yeah. While, without being, you know, completely winking at it, you know. Right. I would say Rick is not a huge departure from the comic book Rick in 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 certain sense. I'm meaning like his arc as a character is very similar to the arc that I mean obviously other than um you know his right arm being chopped off right below the elbow by the by the governor's men that he kind of he kind of follows a similar you know a similar arc that he has in in the comics. So um, while you know specific sequences and stuff are, are are different, and you know the kind of his wavering between being a leader and not a leader, I mean th those are things that may not necessarily have happened in the first forty eight per se, but it's kind of a theme in the book as a whole. Like he goes back and forth between you know retreating back and then and then being prominent in, in that leadership role. I guess I agree with you because I do think those things are. I mean, I agree with you, but. For some reason, I just I like the comic version of Rick so much more than I like uh, Rick in the show. Yeah. With that said, Andrew Lincoln certainly done a a very good job, especially in this season. I think he's really kind of stepped it up in certain episodes. That second episode in particular, where he's cutting the pigs and everything. There's a lot of very good things that Andrew Lincoln's brought to the character of Rick. But for some, like for me, I mean, they might just come down to you know reading the book first or having a certain kind of putting putting my own kind of envisionment of what Rick would be like if he was a live-action person versus what the show's delivering on. Like, I just, well, I always enjoy the comic character of Rick, and he's always been a, in the comic, he's been a favorite character of mine. 
any i mean and that's saying something because i feel like the lead of this kind of thing who's a certain type can get stale so it's nice to have you know various side characters and i think that's been much more the case on this show where i like you know the people i like are mostly the you know daryl and herschel r.i.p and others that are you know less the focus uh, as opposed to rick so i don't know because i again i agree with you in terms of the comics do the comic versus the tv show rick's fine is he 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 matches that type but i'm just respond i respond better to the comic version of him than the tv version i think one of the smartest things i heard along the lines of what you're talking about is something that brad milo said after we uh, had seen the episode nebraska uh where rick you know shoots the guy and the guys in the bar you know uh he says you know welcome mr rick grimes to the show it's nice to see you you know yeah. it just it seems like there were some things that he does that are very quote-unquote rick things to do that would fit very well with the comic book character. And then there's some things that just don't seem like very Rick like at all. If I'm making any sense, Rick, Rick ask, I guess, <laughs> but I, I, I totally get what you're saying here. I, I really uh, appreciate the character of Rick more in the comic than I do on the, on the show, not to take anything away from Andrew Lincoln. I think his performance is stellar and he's, you know, part of a really great cast on the show, but I, I you know, given my druthers, you know, between the two characters, I, I, I lean a little toward the comic book, Rick. So I, I totally get what you're saying. I think I'm in the opposite camp. I think I prefer TV Rick over comic book Rick. And I like comic book Rick a lot. But I think I really think the way that Andrew Lincoln is able to get different and better emotion out of that character, at least for me, I, I prefer uh, Andrew Lincoln Rick as opposed to pure Kirkman Rick, I guess is the best way to put that. I think I agree with you, Russ. I find the comic Rick a bit monologue and yelly, I guess, for lack of a... Yeah, that's exactly what I was term. thinking. He, he talks constantly, and granted, that's true of a lot of the characters in uh, in the Walking Dead comic. They, they really like to monologue. But he also just seems more prone to outbursts, I guess. And I, I appreciate that the, com- that the TV show Rick does not, because that would get stale for me pretty quickly of just him constantly being mad and yelling at people. But uh, I, I don't know. I really like Andrew Lincoln's performance as Rick. Like, like you guys have said, particularly this season, and I'm interested to see where they go after the the cliffhanger here at the midseason finale, just because we've kind of already gotten the whole ghost glory thing out of the way, and to see how he deals with a second separate tragedy of the death of Judith, or the presumed death on his part anyway, should be interesting. Because in the comics... I mean, we won't get into that because it happens after issue 48, but in issue 48, Lori and uh, Lori and Judith die at the same time, right in front of, or I guess technically behind, uh, Rick and Carl. So to see how this is going to play out differently should be really interesting. Yeah, for, for I agree, sure. and I've said this many times, too, at this point, that I am very excited to see where this plays out because it's some of, some of my favorite stuff involving Carl is in that, you know, that section that's right past the the end of the prison plot line. So I'm, given how Carl was different on this show versus the book, I'm curious to see how they handle that. We've had, based on the teasers we've seen and, you know, commercials in AMC, th- they've teased that it at least is heading down a similar direction. So I'm, I'm very curious to see how that plays out on the show. So should we move to Carl since we've, we've kind of sure. hinted at him? We talked about Rick. Yeah. Um, so my notes, one of the notes I, or the note I have on Carl is, in the book, they specifically mention that he's seven years old, and that's early on in the book that he's seven. Um, and uh, Chandler Riggs, when the show aired, was 11 years old. 
and obviously we've had time jumps and then just the season. So I'm guessing Carl is probably it's it's been what about two years that's passed on the on the show at this point, pretty close if to not it. a little bit more, but yeah, that's about right. Yeah, yeah, give or take. So Carl right now at this point is like thirteen, fourteen, whereas in the show in the book he by this point he's probably about maybe eight. I think maybe a year. I think it's safe to say close to a year, right? About a year has passed um, by the time the 48th issue ha- happens, maybe a little bit less. Um, so he's he's seven or eight. So he's he's noticeably younger, which puts a little bit different spin on things like him being given a gun and allowed to carry it around. Uh, I, I think that was a, a much bigger deal early on. Uh, Lori's objections in the show were there, but in the book they were very strong. And Rick's attitude towards him having a gun was a lot more flippant. Like, he was totally fine with Carl being able to have a gun and protect and protect himself. I think TV show Rick, with regards to Carl, was a lot more guarded. Like, he felt it was the right thing to do, but he wasn't, you know, it wasn't something he was comfortable with him having all the time. He was constantly reinforcing, I think, being responsible about it and what it meant and everything else. It was a lot more, there was a lot more responsibility behind it, I think, in the show. But that being said... Carl in the book isn't constantly like, you know, that was the big joke for the first couple seasons. Like, where's Carl? I never got that sense with the book that Carl was always off running around there. I mean, there were a couple, a, a key sequence when Shane was killed, obviously was a point where he was specifically told to stay put and didn't. Um, but for the most part, Carl is portrayed kind of as a precocious child that's allowed to carry a gun. <laughs> in terms of, you know, matching him versus comic versus um, TV show, part of obviously a lot of it comes down to logistics. It's a lot easier for Robert Kirkman and company to write and draw a character that's the age that he is and make him age whenever they want him to age in a show. You don't have that convenience, so you have to you have you have to acknowledge the fact that this is a child that's going to grow or else we're going to get into a Walt situation unlost and like oh no what do we do and you don't want to start too young because exactly. of child labor laws was... and just the difficulty of exactly. working with young children or you children. get into what was the character in family ties the the uh the kid that they aged over a season like 5 years or what was the... no, they did that in fresh prince too with little little uh yeah. yeah, it's a classic thing they did in soap operas going back to the 60s yeah. where they'd have a baby yeah. and they'd cut away from the summer and they'd come back and they'd be like a teenager. Puberty's a bitch, what can I say? Because um, <laughs> they grow up so fast. Yeah. But, um, I mean, with all that, with the with that side of it out of the way, in terms of matching the character, yeah, and it, come, it, it comes from, you know, the character being older than he was in the book version, but I agree that there there's a lot more of Carl-related what's going on with him plots on the show versus the comic whereas the comic he does feel more like you know a a person that's on he's on rick has him on his side or he's on Lori's side or he's around all the time he's not a person that you need to, you're not you're not really focused on what's carl up to you're just more of like all right he's around he's probably under control or whatever in the show a lot of emphasis either intentional or unintentional gets become placed on the fact that carl seems to you know misbehave and take off and do whatever he wants and become a little bit of a sociopath and it's only going down a, a different route. And I think a lot of that comes from just the fact that the comic book, for, for a large portion of it anyway, has a much larger cast than the TV show because you don't yeah. have to pay actors mm-hmm. and all that sure. kind of stuff. So when you have 50 people hanging around and you can name all of them, you know, one kid becomes a lot less important than when you have 10 people staying at a farmhouse or whatever. I mean, just look at... um. Herschel's kids, like, in the show, he's got two kids left by the time they even get there. And in the book, 
he had what five or six kids left alive by the time they got yeah, there. Like a five, whole, you know, sweatshop of kids running around. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Who are major characters? Not, I wouldn't say major characters, but who are named present characters for the next twenty issues or so. So Carl just becomes less important simply because there's other things going on. Yeah, I mean, you know, when we see Carl in the comic, I mean, he's still young enough. Like he's sleeping in mom and dad's bed. You know, Sophia goes up and, you know, after he's shot and she's worried about him, she, you know, or gives him a kiss on the cheek or whatever. And he's like, oh, yuck, girls. And we see that as definitely not the the Carl in the show, you know, where he you could tell he has, you know, he, he has kind of a thing for Beth. And, you know, he definitely has his eye on the ladies. And he's a lot more upfront on the whole killing thing as well. Like guess oh, yeah, it's put into a There's certainly an evolution of Carl's character in the comic that's. That happens later on, I guess, than than the TV show has, and uh, it come it comes from his involvement in certain scenarios. Like he's much more involved right. in the prison showdown in this show than he is in in the uh, in the comic. He's much more involved. He's much more involved in the in the action, I guess, in the show. Although it's interesting to to counterpoint that with you know he kills Shane in issue six, whereas he doesn't kill Shane or kill Zombie Shane until much later in the TV show. Right. Mm-hmm. It certainly it adds a. In the comic, it certainly seems like a pivotal point for where a, where a boy becomes a man, but it doesn't really get... I, w- I wouldn't say that event really makes a change in him as a character in the comic until way later, but it's certainly something that's going that's gone on in him and that he's, you know, it's something he has to deal with. But. Yeah. it It's a little more shocking in the comic, and I won't go into specifics, but there are things that happen to Carl and things that Carl does later on that, because of his age, makes it way more shocking. Oh, yeah, definitely. Like, right now, Carl is basically a teenager in the show, and so kind of doing things that are borderline adult don't seem so off the wall. Agreed, yeah. I think I agree, though. A lot of it's got to be the realities of of child acting laws and, you know, the labor laws and whatnot. It's got to be, you know. And it's just, you know, if people are annoyed of a 13-year-old Carl, they'd probably be really annoyed of you know a nine-year-old Carl too. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say more or less the same thing. I'd much rather watch a show with fourteen-year-old Carl than with seven-year-old Carl. Yeah, trying to steal toys. I don't know. <laughs> it's way interesting when way more interesting when your characters are actual people and not just you know children. Yeah, right. You know, if I could say that any more derogatorily, I'd try. But yeah. um, you know what I mean. So since we're we've, we're kind of working our way through the Grimes family tree. Uh, I, I guess we could probably talk about Lori next, huh? Unless there's some grandparents I forgot about. Yeah, let's go for it. <laughs> <laughs> there's his brother. Uh, Rick's brother gets mentioned. I was just reading uh, today. Oh, yeah, yeah. And there's a whole story about his brother told by Lori. So speaking of Lori, as you were saying. Yeah. I like comic Lori way more than TV show Lori, which I think we've talked about in the show probably like a gajillion times. <laughs> yeah. I think in the end I came around. I really was more of a fan of her towards the end than I was in the beginning. She's she she in the t- TV show I think she kind of showed herself as being a little more conniving. Uh in the in the comic book she seems she's a little vanilla for the most part. Like she she's a cipher more than anything else. She's just not yeah. that much of a character. Yeah, book, yeah. Honest. I mean she's she's kind of there. I mean she's there to, you know, kind of be, you know, a worry wart and kind of be, you know, kind of tell that side of the story, you know, of those kind of staying behind on the camp and things like that. But I, I don't see, like, from an overall character arc standpoint, there's nothing that jumps out at me that says this Lori is so much different than TV show Lori. Uh, you know, her, her, the personalities, I think, are a little different, at, quite different from time to time. But as far as the character 
and, and the arc that she goes through, I don't find that different. And it comes down to Shane not being a part of it. Shane obviously made a big impact on being basically being around longer on the TV show, so there's a lot more drama to mine sure. from that, which is why he was obviously kept on the show, because it makes the other characters more interesting as well. By having him have had this relationship with Lori while Rick was gone, and then Rick coming back into the equation and making this kind of weird situation for Lori, who of course becomes pregnant as well, but also just has to deal with the fact that there's this other guy that she was with, and presumably he was in love with her. Um, I mean, it 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 added another layer to various characters because of that plot line, and you just didn't have that in the comics. They so just had what Russ described as kind of the warrior, the one that kind of says things and you know, be safe and all that. Yeah, I mean, parts of it like when Rick goes back out after not being back at the, you know, after finding them. And then he decides to go back out again when him and him and Glenn decide to go back out to get to go to the gun store and get ammo. Her reaction in the comic is very much the same. Her reaction, the show, you know, like those scenes almost seem directly ripped from the book. And certainly the levels of hate the character gets in both the TV show and the and the comic are comparable. And I wouldn't say I fully agree with either of them, but they they're definitely strong. And a lot of that, I mean, for the TV show, the comic, I never really minded Lori. Like I never really had much. I never had animosity towards the character. I just she just kind of fit into a mold of characters I care about less than others, just because she's not that interesting. But in the show, <laughs> I mean, she flipped over a car. <laughs> like it's there's just these these awkward things that they put her in. There's that whole like Lady Macbeth sequence of her like convincing Rick to to go after Shane, which is fine. But then you know two episodes later, when Rick goes through with the deed, and Laurie's suddenly all shocked about this. Just there was a lot of inconsistency with her character that made me that that got me on her nerves. So that's that's what came down to. And then, yeah, season three was fine just because it seemed like the writers, knowing that she was going to die, really wanted to just put enough work into making her kind of had a, have a meta acknowledgement of the fact that not everybody likes me. I know, uh, but I'm going to go out with somewhat of a bang at least. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, it seemed to me that Lori was more supportive of Rick in the comic than she was in the in the show it seemed like she was almost sometimes like antagonistic of rick you know trying to like like you like you mentioned Aaron, like kind of lady macbeth him into doing things or, or to manipulate the situation uh to to her liking you know mm-hmm. uh, it reminds me of that one scene where andrea confronts her in the the kitchen uh when they're still on herschel's farm and uh, she's telling him or she's telling Lori, you know what you got you have it all you have the son you have the husband the boyfriend you know I mean, she had it, you know, she had everything her way, even though, I mean, I don't know. It, it just seemed like in the comic she was more of a supportive uh, character to Rick rather than antagonistic, I guess. It's the weird thing where, because I've, I've gotten on the, the writing as my, the constant gripe that I have with the show when it's not as good as it can be. And it's funny how you see certain characters that just didn't exist in the comic, Daryl. Um, who are kind of better rounded characters and better written as opposed to some of the characters that didn't have as much in the comic and they're being fleshed out on the show now and it just doesn't work as well as it could. And it's, I don't know why that is, but whatever. Well, I mean, you can make the argument he's cut from whole cloth, whereas other characters are taking something existing and trying to turn it into something different. Yeah, I, I guess so, yeah. That could, it seems it's almost equivalent to, you know, taking characters from The Hobbit and stretching them way thin so they have nothing to do <laughs> But at the same time, you have characters like a Herschel who – well, let's, let's, let's talk Dale and Herschel. You know, they took a lot of the things from the Dale we like and added them to Herschel once Dale was out of the picture and ended up with a really cool character. But both Dale and Herschel are very different than the way they are in the comics. 
one for the better and one for the worse. And I would almost argue, argue that you know, the conciliary side of Herschel, like the side of Herschel that Rick could talk to and confide in and look for uh, counsel from, was actually kind of filled by Tyrese in the comic. Because Tyrese came a lot earlier in the comic than he did in the show. Yeah. And he was more of a sounding board and an equal to Rick um, in the comic for a long time. And then, you know, Herschel kind of took that role you know, uh, later on as the, 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 um, the show went on. I'd argue that for Dale, so, I mean, Dale too, though. I think, I think Dale was, a, yeah. you know, he, he was much, he was much different in the comic as well versus the TV show where, and okay, there's another question just to back up a bit, but was, and I maybe forget if there was an actual answer to this, but was Dale, the actor, what's the actor's name? I'm sorry. Jeffrey DeMunn. Jeffrey DeMunn. Thank you. Thank you like william no jeffrey uh did that come down to him not being happy with the fact that darabont was being forced out was that what do we know that that's what led I to his i think demise? there was rumors but nothing ever confirmed nothing ever confirmed but uh, i think it turned out to be bernthal wasn't it though because i thought and i could be making this up but i thought the deal was that whoever it was that was really upset they decided to kill off and was going to be involved with something he was doing down the line but I could be that I could might be... be true, but I just I feel like Shane was going to die no matter what. Like I saw, like yeah. Shane was not going to leave season two alive. Dale yeah, was one true. that not that that necessarily could have been that could have been handled differently because I think as soon as Dale left, suddenly Herschel became you know a better character. <laughs> I yeah, think it's very sure. Yeah. Yeah. No, it definitely makes more sense if it was that's Jeff Demun as opposed to Bernthal. That's for sure. And Demun has a lot of history with Daryl too. Sure. I mean, he's done a lot of movies with him, so. It seems like the show was very malleable with those two characters. If like if Demun stayed on, he could have been the Herschel character, and like obviously because um, what's his name, um, Scott Wilson. I mean, he wasn't like a you know featured player on the show until um, this about until this season. Like he was still like recurring character. Like they could have again. This is me just speculating, but I mean there could have been a lot of reshaping of characters based on what actors were going to be around versus what they originally planned. And that's something you have to do in television. Exactly, yeah. You know, and sometimes it turns out awesome, like Ben Linus in Lost or like Herschel here. You know, because Herschel in the comics was a character I really did not like at all. Mm -hmm. And Herschel in the show, at least the way that he went out um, and and this season, I I love that character. But I didn't like him when he was closer to the comic counterpart in season two. Where he's, you know, vaguely racist and just mean all the time. <laughs> yeah, just a vaguely racist, you know, stubborn could, religious person. That, that's and I could character. almost say, like, the the opposite of Dale. Like, the, the more Dale was like Dale in the comic, I liked him. But the less, the more he was like a, like a, a nosy old old lady or whatever. I just When his senility started to turn in, yeah, he was much less yeah. like He needed to use less duct tape on the RV and start fixing up his mind. <laughs> a little bit. So do we want to... Uh... Do you guys want to talk about the the Green Clan? Yeah, sure. Because we've talked about Herschel enough, right? So. Yeah, for the most part. I mean, the notes I have on Herschel, and we'll talk about his family. So when when everybody shows up at the farm, which pretty much mirrors the reason they get to the farm, pretty much is the same in the comic as it is in the book. Carl is shot. Was it Otis in the in the comic in the in the show that shot Carl? In the show, yes, it was. Okay. Yes, yeah. So Otis shoots him. They take Carl back to the farm. Herschel treats him. And we find out that Herschel has an older daughter, older than Maggie, uh, called Lacey. Uh, he has a son named Arnold, who's a pretty pretty big dude. We find out that uh, another son, another son, Sean, is already dead and in the barn. Which that's another big departure. Is Herschel makes no bones about the fact that there are zombies in the barn. Like we're keeping them there until we figure out how to cure them, or until the government figures out to cure them, or whatever. Um, so his 
his reasoning behind it is still the same. Like, he doesn't see them as dead people, um, but it's not this big secret that it is in the show. So we have, of course, Maggie, uh, and then we have Billy, an- another one of his sons, younger, and then Rachel and Susie, which th- they're twins, correct? Uh, I believe so, yes. Or at yeah. least they, very similar in age. Or, or they're, yeah, yeah they're, like a year apart. They're, they're, um, they're little young girls. I think, yeah. yeah, they're like maybe six, five or six, I would say. Maybe, yeah, something maybe like that. Sounds about right. Um, and so they're they're still alive. So in the big, when they do have the big confrontation in the barn, which they end up trying to to take one of the one of the dead, and and, and Herschel is trying to lead him into the barn, and then chaos ensues, and Lacey and Arnold both die in that big scuffle. And then as far as the other the other kids go, um, Susie and Beth, or um, I'm sorry, there is no Beth. So that's that's one of the big things. You know, Beth is the other daughter on Herschel's farm, uh, one of Herschel's daughters. Um, she's still a big and part probably of it. just chosen as a name because it doesn't end in I E or Y, so it wouldn't get confusing. Yeah, yeah probably. So, so you got Lacey, Maggie, Billy, Susie. Right. So Beth is is kind of been been a replacement. Rachel and Susie die a pretty horrendous death, and this is another one of those kind of early, really, really shocking moments for the book. This that may have been the first, like big, really shocking moment as far as as what this book was willing to do because I I don't think they really portrayed child death at that point like this and this gets a little bit into the into into the prison which i well, i think we'll get back to these characters later but when the when the folks arrive at the prison after leaving the farm and, and actually herschel stays behind and glenn and maggie stay behind at first on the farm and the rest of the crew go to the prison they find the four prisoners in the cell block just kind of like, similar to, to how they do in the show and one of them thomas which i think it was tomas in the in the show correct correct yeah, yeah. The guy who got the machete to the center of his right. forehead. So, the, so th- that character's kind of flipped out with another one called Thomas. He's kind of a, like a middle-aged, balding white man who is pretty much a homicidal maniac and portrays himself as just like a white-collar criminal or whatever. Turns out he, he is a homicidal maniac, and the way they find out is they, they find the decapitated heads of Rachel and Susie, and they assume it's, it's Dexter because he was in there for murder, and they, they just assume that it was him that did it. Um, and they'd seen the TV show. Wow, that just fell flat. Anyway, <laughs> I, I was trying to I was trying to make a really good black joke, uh, but I, I couldn't think. Wait, of it a black joke? <laughs> uh, Wait, fill me in. Why would a black joke be appropriate? Or not appropriate, but fit? Because Dexter's black. Oh, oh, that's right. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I'm thinking of the TV show Dexter, and I'm like, oh, okay. everyone involved in this situation is white. I, I'm not following. <laughs> I'd like to think the listeners know that I'm black. I'm just saying. <laughs> just to make that clear. <laughs> Welcome to the Walking Dead Racist Podcast. I'm your host. <laughs> yes. So, so, and they're killed pretty gruesomely. So they're both decapitated. But then we find out, too, that they're, like, they're still, their heads are still moving. I think it's Rick that has to go in there and shoot both of them in the head. Um, and I think that's the first time we had seen live decapitated heads. In the in the in the book, that yeah. sounds really familiar. Actually, yeah, yeah it was pretty, really yeah. disturbing. I mean, I, I remember I remember that. Um, and, and and remind me, was Thomas supposed to be a pedophile or just a murderer? I think just a murderer. I think we topped out with that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was bad enough. I mean, doing that all the stuff. Oh, I, I agree. <laughs> yeah. But... yeah, no, I, I I know what you're saying. Yeah, I think, we, but I think yeah, it was just pretty much just hey, I'm crazy and I kill people. Yeah, and then Billy dies. Uh, on the when the governor assaults the the prison, he's he's one of the cal- casualties that gets shot, uh, along with with Herschel. Herschel's shot at the 
at the prison. He doesn't he doesn't die the same way in the comics. But he does die in more or less the same time frame. Correct, correct. And there's another character that that kind of takes that place that we'll get to in a bit. Um, so Maggie, so in the, in the comics, Maggie is pretty much the only green that's left alive at the end um, of issue 48. And it, we should say, too, that she's actually married to Glenn, that Herschel actually formally marries the two of them. Correct, yes, yeah. And and it's funny because Glenn, Glenn also does his trick where he pulls a ring off a dead body <laughs> and, and uses that to, to uh, propose to, to Maggie or their, what they use to, to get married. And that was like... That was like a nice segment of the comic, too, because it's like, yeah, oh, something nice finally happened. <laughs> like, yeah. It's so depressing a lot. Remind me, are they not, do they not consider themselves married in the show? I, no, they don't. No, yeah. no, no. Okay, I guess I just remember, like, him getting Herschel's blessing or whatever. Yeah, yeah. But I guess it was just a general blessing and not a marriage-specific yeah, blessing. We gave him that watch, remember? Yeah. Right, right, yeah. that's what I'm thinking of, yeah. It was more of just an approval of the fact that this relationship exists. It's the, the writers have decided my character is no longer racist. Here's yeah. a watch. Okay. And they both and they both shave their heads. That was the other thing, which obviously works better in the comic than it does on 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 TV, especially for Maggie. Um, yeah. But I don't know. She could be like a Karen Gillan, and she could turn out to be really attractive bald. There's also a way to not find out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She wasn't completely bald. She cut her hair like ridiculous, almost like Carol level short. Yeah. Like season one, Carol short. And Glenn went for the full, like, bald Mr. Clean look. You got the piercing and everything. It was crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that was kind of, a, kind of a big difference. So really a bummer for the Greens. Like, nobody, nobody's left but Maggie at the, end of, uh, at the end of issue 48. And the rest of them all pretty... You know, it's kind of funny if you think about it. It's like Rick and his group bought nothing but death and a destruction to that whole family. Like, them showing up at the farm and, and all the nonsense there caused, you know, the two older children to die. And then their decision to come to the prison caused the other children and Herschel to die. And even Billy even kind of got into it with Herschel at one point over the fact that, like, this is your fault. Like, if you wouldn't have brought us here to Herschel, like if you wouldn't have brought us here to the prison, you know, Rachel and Susie would still be alive. And, you know, it, it's just like he kind of ripped into him about it. And, it really made me think for the first time. It's like, wow, it's right. The, the whole family is wiped out over, you know, over Rick and his crew, you know, trying to make things better, which they, they ended up just, like, devastating this entire family. It also comes with a level of stubbornness. I mean, it's not like there were decisions made that led to people dying. It's not just it wasn't just Rick showing up and that led to death. Like, there was right. Herschel being stubborn. There was, yeah, there was Herschel being stubborn about, like, the barn of zombies, for instance, which probably inevitably would have led to deaths of their family anyway and and herschel and rick not like getting along at all really before they eventually came to the prison like there are there are a lot of things that make it more than just like rick showed up and was a curse upon the family but i, I know you're i know you're not saying that but i mean it, it's a matter of circumstance and not just the fact that this happened so that's the green you talk about maggie we didn't talk about maggie at all yeah i mean to i guess maggie's another one of those characters that for the most part other than being more um, sexually aggressive in the comic uh, is not, which you could argue she was kind of that way in the show, um, but in in the book I think even more so. Uh, but she's not. I don't see her as being too far off from from her show counterpart, from her comic counterpart. In the book, she crushed two eggs on Glenn's head in his hat. <laughs> well, okay then. I I agree with you, Russ. Yeah, I, I do see Maggie as fairly similar to what the book presents us with. Um... And a little bit more farm girl who really doesn't want to be a farm girl. Yeah. Deal. Yeah. But aside from that, very similar. 
So we want to talk about Car- Crazy Carol next? Sure. <laughs> crazy Carol. So, it's crazy in a whole different way than the show. Yeah. Maybe. There's no Ed in the comic. Um, so when we first meet Carol... Although she did, she did have a husband who's dead, right? They just yes. don't name him? Yes. I, yeah, I don't think they gave him a name. He wasn't... She didn't portray him as abusive. I think she portrayed him as somebody that like worked a lot, wasn't home very often or something like that, but not um not abusive so she didn't kind of have that battered wife thing going and she's i i I got the impression sophia is there so she's she's you know it's her and sophia i got the impression that carol in the comic is slightly younger and uh looks is kind of portrayed as being more attractive than maybe the her comic her her tv show counterpart she was more traditional housewife in the comic i guess as yeah, opposed to yeah a little more mousy kind of, maybe in the comic yeah she's kind of and and beaten down in the tv show and kind of yeah. world more world weary i guess in the in the comic she doesn't lose sophia sophia does not run, you know get separated and turn into a zombie and then have to be shot in the head uh sophia's still alive and well carol just starts to get real like based on everything going on carol starts to get really weird and she starts to feel like her, Rick, and Lori can kind of live in this, like, sister wives kind of situation where, you know, the three of them... Polyamory. Yes. Polyamorous relationship. Yes, correct. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that they could all live that way, and she just kind of, like, Lori kind of freaks out. She doesn't quite understand it. And she just kind of goes through this phase where she... Uh, the, the other thing is, is her and Tyrese are involved... Uh, pretty much right off the bat. Like, the two of them hit it off very well, and Michonne comes into the picture and pretty much takes over her relationship with Tyrese, which kind of causes her to wig out in the first place. Uh, And so a lot of that, what drives her is because of that. Like, she does not take well to Tyrese, kind of. And and I I think Tyrese just kind of fell into, like, a whatever kind of situation. Like, Michonne was very forceful with him, and I think he was just kind of going with the flow. Uh, and I mean, he's just, straight up having an affair. Like that's what he's yeah. doing. Like, no, no, true. He's yeah, absolutely. I'm not trying to. Yeah, he's, he's, he, yeah. I mean, he's cheating on her. He, he he made a he did a dick move to to Carol. Yeah, like, but he he didn't like he for whatever. I mean, I'm not justifying his behavior, but he didn't seek it out. Like he wasn't putting the moves on Michonne. Like Michonne, yeah, initiated that that transaction. <laughs> but. So Carol really starts to wig out, and she pretty much at the end, you know, at, she dies in the prison uh, kind of like in the prison we thought she was dead for a while but she pretty much walks up to a zombie that's i can't remember why that zombie was chained up i don't remember if they did that on purpose or if that zombie was just hung up and they they hadn't done anything with it yet but she walks up to the zombie and pretty much just uh, just lets the zombie bite her and she took it as a sign of ah finally somebody appreciates me and somebody likes me because uh, you know, the the zombie bit her. So she's, like, really just off the deep end, complete bug nuts crazy at this point. Uh, and that's how she dies. Yeah. Suicide by Zed. Yeah. Well, the show's a bit different. Um, <laughs> <laughs> just a bit. Carol, um, I've made no uh, secret that I, li- I, li- I like where Carol's evolution has taken her as a character. I, I meet myself and, you know, some of you guys, we've all, we've all had some issues with how her plot played out in this season Although I was a fan of the final episode we've seen her in so far, and I'll be even more of a fan of her if things play out in a way that I hope they do in the coming episodes. But with all that said, the character's certainly been solid. The, um, Elizabeth Bride, uh, I think she's, I mean, for being, you know, kind of 
in the background for a majority of the series only to kind of rise up higher and higher in the the following scenes, especially after Sophia died and she had more of a character to play. I mean, she's done a very a terrific job, and I think she's been a solid presence. She's obviously had a, a nice form of chemistry with uh, with Daryl's character. I mean, it's there. These are all things that you know make Carol work for me as a as a character, and I I can only hope that when she comes back, there will be you know even more to kind of develop with her. Yeah, I agree. I I think I would say probably Carol is probably the biggest departure character wise from her show counterpart to her comic counterpart. Yeah, I guess. Inter- yeah, because yeah, I'm, that springs to mind certainly. I'm trying to think of others, and we'll get to Andrea in a second, probably. And well, the governor. The, the governor. Governor. Well, yeah, true, departure. true. Yeah, no, good point. Good. I wouldn't say the governor is that is big all of that departure, different though. Uh, yeah, I mean, there are things that are different, but the essence of the character is the same. Yeah, true. In terms of where Carol is on one side of the spectrum and the other side of the spectrum, I think it's it's pretty telling that she's. There, there are very, there are there are vast differences between the Carol characters versus the other characters that are way different. I guess. Yeah, no, I agree with that. The Delta is larger. One, one's crazy. I mean, that's, I mean, that's that's a part of it. Both governors are crazy. Both Andreas are good shots. Blonde. I mean, blonde. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. One Carol is crazy. <laughs> so anything else on Carol? Anybody got anything to add? Uh, just that there was also another character in the books who who is in the show. Uh, only briefly, though. Um, what's the woman who's with Tyrese's group right in the beginning in the show, but she she dies right when we first see them, or she gets bit? Oh, on the show? Oh, yeah, I forget her name. Uh, I mean, she had a name. <laughs> well, yeah, because she was also in the comics. In the comics, there was her, her husband, and their sons Ben and Billy. Oh, Donna, the twin sons. Donna, Donna. Donna. There we go. Um. Okay. Donna also went through, I mean, she had a little bit of the Carol in her, like, those characters got mixed up a little bit, but she also died pretty early on. Yeah. Um, but in a different way. She died in that town. In the housing development. Yeah. Yeah, in the housing development that was uh, full of zombies, but they missed that because the sign was snowed over. Yeah. Because yeah. in the book you see winter. That's a major departure um, from the TV show to the book, um, which I appreciate in the show. To an extent. I mean, there are some interesting things to do in winter, but the comic shows you right through the winter, and the TV show skips that. Yeah. For obvious reasons. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's, they're not filming during the winter, and they're in Georgia. And it's hot. Yeah, that's a... Yes. That That's a big thing that you were mentioning. So Donna and Alan, Alan was Donna's wife. They're there from the very beginning. There's no Alan on this show. <laughs> right. No, there was an Alan. He died. Or he was the guy, wasn't he? Or was he the young guy bed? that was with the... With Tyrese and there was there was just one son though, but there was it was Donna and Alan showed up with Tyrese and Sasha. Okay, okay. See, I, keep, right. I, I have basically no memory of these people. Gotcha. <laughs> like, they didn't make much of an impression. No, they yeah. didn't at all. So in the and comic, like, I... in the comic, Donna and Alan are just a part of the group, uh, and they have the twin Initially. sons. And like we said, Don, um, Alan uh, Donna dies at the housing development, which Alan kind of doesn't take very well at all, and he. I'm trying to think. I guess he's still he, get, he makes it out of the first forty-eight. So he does because then he get. Or wait, does he? Hold on. I have no memory of what happened. I don't think he does. No, I no, no. I'm sorry. In, I'm sorry. He, I'm sorry. Alan, scratch that. Alan gets the leg thing. Alan, yeah, Alan, Alan, yeah, Alan gets the Herschel get, treatment. So Alan yeah, he gets is bit he gets in bit. the prison, kind of similar to a situation that Herschel was. Like they were out. Uh, I think they were trying to get the generator on because Lori was about to give birth. So they're kind of like in the catacombs of the prison. Um, Alan gets bit, and they decide to, to chop his leg off, but he dies. And it doesn't seem like he died from the bite. 
it seems like he it's died blood from loss. Yeah. yeah, just from blood loss and trauma and everything. Like they just didn't do as good of a job with him as. as and was like that before sh- or after Dale lost his leg? Because in the comics, Dale lost his leg instead of Herschel. He lost his leg after the didn't he? Hold on. No, I was just reading through trade number eight today, and when the governor attacks the prison, Dale only has one leg. I think Dale was after because they make a point of saying, "Well, Alan died." Like like they were worried that it wasn't going to work for Dale because it it didn't work for Alan, and then it turns out yeah that, sound, that it did that sounds right yeah what was what okay was Herschel with them the first time when that, when it happened to Alan because I know Herschel like he like he grabs um what's his name Axel's like beard right and he chops some of the beard off and like so he can cover like he can cover up the wound and which is gross but yeah. it was a really cool thing in the comic he's like yeah come here and he like grabs him he cuts off like a piece of his beard of his knife and like shoves it on his leg <laughs> and it's like because uh, we should say axel in the show you know he's the guy with the mustache and, and an awesome character in the show he's this big biker dude with a santa beard in the comic, a beard that would put comic. most yeah in, in the comic he, he's got a beard that would put most mall santa's uh beards to shame um it is just awesome so yeah, he chops off some of that and uses it yeah. as a And both dressing, those guys would kind of fit, fit as bikers. Like I think that's kind of how they portray Axel is kind of like the the kind of like a biker, you know, not kind of like a big biker guy, but just, you know, just like a guy that would be a biker. Well, he was pretty big. I mean, heavy set. Yeah, yeah. Covered in tattoos and stuff. The the Axel from the comic? In the comic. Yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah, but I mean the Axel from the show. He was a little yeah. Oh, no, no. He was much more yeah, wimpy. Younger, more wiry. Um, yeah, he was a, he was a roadie for um, for foreigner for foreigner and <laughs> fog hat fog hat yeah. and fog hat yeah. <laughs> Slow ride was about him. <laughs> God, I hope not. <laughs> uh, so again, so at the at the end of it, so Alan's dead, Donna's dead, and their two twin boys are left behind. So we've kind of got like four small children at this point. We've got the the twins, we've got Sophia, and we've got Carl that are all. Uh, kind of running around, which is a pretty big departure from the show up until the prison. Like once the Woodbury people come in, then obviously we see that there are more children running around in, in that part of it. Um, but mm-hmm. yeah. this is, you know, in the comic from day one, there have been four kids running around. Now, when it's just Ben and Billy on their own, is it is it Andrea and Dale that take them in? Yeah, because we should mention Andrea and Dale are a couple in the comic, like full on couple. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that was that was me trying to get to a segue. Let's let's get to Andrea. And Andrea is much younger in the comic. Yeah. Like in the show, they made her the much older sister, but her and Amy were much more similar in age in the uh, in the book. It made sense, I guess, in casting Laurie Holden as Andrea. Andrea, in terms of, or to me, it did because I thought they were, they were going to do that. They were going to have her get with get with Dale, which, I mean, if you're watching a show, there there's less to like. There's less fanboys bitching about this kind of thing where you don't have, like, ah, she's too young. Why is she with Jeffrey DeMunn? That's weird. Like, you don't have any of that. It's just, like, it felt like an age-appropriate kind of combo for me yeah. to see in, like, a big TV show. And Laurie Holden's worked with Frank Darabont as well on other, on other shows and other, or, sorry, other movies and things. So, I mean, I, I saw that connection right there. But then again, it didn't go that way, so it didn't really matter in the long run. Yeah, it was, like, a big deal in, in the book. I mean, early on, it was very much like the comic where... Andrea and Amy were with Dale in the RV, and Dale was very much like, no, I'm an old man, you know, things don't work the way they used to kind of thing. There's nothing going on with those girls. And then once Amy was kind of out of the picture, Dale was there for Andrea, and then she started to to get, you know, feelings for her. And it's kind of funny, that one scene where I think it's Donna that walks in on him. Like, 
I think it's when they're in the, obviously it's when they're in the subdivision because it's before Donna is killed. But they basically find a room and, and start kind of getting it on and she kind of walks in on them and, and, then, uh, and then quickly leaves. But from that point forward, uh, you know, Lori and, and Dale are, are an item. Andrea and Dale. Andrea and Dale. Yeah. I'm sorry. I, I keep thinking Lori, <laughs> Lori, Lori Holden. Holden. But just to be clear, there is not that uh, affair going on as well. Uh, correct. <laughs> correct. <laughs> Andrea takes to the gun a lot quicker and a lot more efficiently, especially the rifle uh, the, in the comic than in the in the show. Like at first, you know, she kind of has to be taught how to shoot. And I think she, she picks it up quickly, like all characters in that show seem to do. They seem to be able to um, to hit the forehead of anything from a hundred yards away, but uh, when it the, matters, of course. Yeah. Yeah. In the book, it, she, she takes to it. Like she's kind of seen as, as a, as a natural. Yeah. And okay. So as far as the rest of Andrea, besides her prowess with a gun, which, you know, fl- fluctuates, I guess on the show versus the comic, the character in general, we've, ex- we've expressed our, I guess I've expressed my issues with it, with Andrea on the show where I think it just comes down to similar other problems of other characters where she's just felt inconsistent to me. That was always my biggest problem with her. Yeah, I agree. Um, not for a lack of trying on Lori Holden's part. I think she did, you know, what she could. And the same goes for a majority of the other actors that I've had issues with as far, far as characters go. But Andrea always, yeah, it just, it was always felt, always felt inconsistent. Even at the end of the day when you, you know, when Andrea's dying and she kind of basically spells out everything she was trying to do. I just never really felt I I never really felt for her. I never really felt for her objectives of why she wanted to do so much to, you know, make just have everyone get along and all that. Like it just it never rang true to me and it just came down to how that character was written, how she was going back and forth, how she was interacting with the other characters like Michonne and the governor. It just none of it ever added up for me in a way that felt more effective than it could have been. Yeah, I I much I like comic Lori way 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 more than than TV show Lori Andrea Andrea damn it I gotta stop Andrea. saying that it shouldn't be too much of a problem going forward seeing as both characters are dead how about Michonne we can get to Michonne yeah Michonne in the comic definitely kind of comes in and makes a splash on the scene um, she's a lot more vocal she's a lot more forceful obviously because Tyrese is there already and so the two of them kind of hit it off uh, she kind of has this conversation. I forget who she was talking to, but she mentions that she had two kids prior to all this happening. So we we find out a little bit more about her backstory in the in the comic, and, and they d- dedicated a whole issue to like what happened to meet to her immediately before all this stuff kind of kind of happened. But she kind of has the Rick syndrome where she talks to nobody. Like they, you know, she's caught in her cell early on having a conversation with somebody who isn't there. So, you know, later on in the comic, when, when that starts happening with Rick, she kind of sympathizes because she gets it. I guess my takeaway from Michonne for now, I mean, it's certainly changed since then, but I feel like the the biggest issue with Michonne on the show is that they they tried really hard to make her cool. That's what it seemed to have come down to. Like, they really wanted to get yeah. this character right, and they just ended up trying too hard. They wanted to make her this stoic badass, but in ter- instead it just turned into this kind of annoying, quiet person. And... It's not for lack of trying on the parts of, you know, those involved trying to make a very popular character work in a TV format. But given that we already have, you know, Daryl, who is a cool character and and does so by being more than just quiet. I mean, putting Michonne in there, you know, the image of a of a badass with, you know, a cloak and and a sword can only take you so far in a TV format. So they need to do more with it. And it just 
it didn't happen for a while. And it certainly, she's evolved since then. And, you know, I like Michonne a lot more now. Um, and I look forward to seeing what else they plan to do with her this season. But, yeah, that initial run, we all kind of talked about this. She just, she's effective with a sword, sure, but she needs to speak up a bit more <laughs> so we can get into who this yeah. character is. Yeah, more Less grumpy cat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But there's a lot of similarities. I mean, obviously, you know, she shows, she has the sword. She shows up with the two pets, you know, on the chains with the jaws chopped off and no arms. She's also the victim, like, they, the, the Woodbury crew think they kill her. They go back and tell the governor she's dead, even though she's not dead. In the comic, her grudge against the governor is much more justified. I mean, she is brutally raped and, you know, victimized by the governor in the comic, whereas it, that doesn't really happen in the, in the show. I mean, you know, her, her suspicions of the governor... Are, are you know we questioned it at the time are a little unwarranted like it, it just seemed like she was just suspicious of every just to be suspicious where spider the, sense was tingling like exactly was ex- exactly yeah. in, in the comic it's it's like front and center blatant right out of the box this is how this guy acts um and she gets the brunt end of it and she also gets her revenge in a much more punishment meets the crime tip yeah tip. graphic yeah mm. graphic way yeah yeah and well, let's spell it out. She bites his ear off, or a big chunk of it. She puts a, a ele- uh, like a electric drill through his shoulder, drills right into it. Yeah. She pulls his nails out. Yeah. Uh, she cuts off his arm and cauterizes it. Yeah. She takes a spoon to a lower part of his anatomy. It's never exactly spelled out what happens, but I can't imagine it's pleasant. And she also takes that spoon and pulls out his eye with it. Yeah. That's how he loses his eye in the comics. Her words with the spoon were... That was a lot tougher to get out than it was to get in. So there there you yeah. have it. Kids. Yeah. <laughs> so the, that sounds terrible. Yes. And then for anyone who gets that pun, uh, you get that pun. Congratulations. <laughs> but Michonne also doesn't kill Penny. Yeah, the Penny's still alive after the governor's uh, assault on the on the prison war. Well, dead, but she's still right, she's, mobile. Right. <laughs> uh, the governor, though, after the whole thing with her... He then goes and pulls out all of Penny's teeth, kind of following Michonne's example with her pets. Yeah. I'd say we could move on to the governor, but have we talked about the governor kind of enough throughout this this podcast, like in general? Yeah. Through his other And, and I feel like lines. we've really covered most yeah. of the stuff that's similar or different about him. Yeah. He's 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 very much a mustache twirling villain from the beginning in the book, whereas in the show they hide that for a while. That's pretty much the extent of the differences. Yeah. You know, and he's 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 less uh scruffy in in the beginning of the show than he is or in 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 the book he looks a lot less like danny trejo <laughs> yeah in, in the in the show than in the book and more like david morrissey right oddly enough I, I guess just talking about the woodbury crew i mean they still do like the gladiatory game thing they have that going on glenn isn't tortured by the by the by the by well there's no merle but um glenn isn't tortured while he's at woodbury um, there's a Dr. Stevens and Alice, his nurse, that help Rick and his crew escape. Uh, there's Martinez, who kind of acts like a double agent. He's the one that kind of comes across Rick and his crew outside of Woodbury uh, and, and ushers them in and then helps them escape and goes back with them to the prison, but uh, then ends up you know, allowing... The, basically, he's a plant. He tries to say that his motive is that he was just trying to get the you know the kid the, the women and the children he knows the governor's going off the edge he knows that he's not going to do it and martinez tries to uh 
to do that. And then Rick pretty much just shoots him. <laughs> and then the governor takes Martinez's head once they find the body, holds it up in front of the people of Woodbury, and gives a very similar speech. Um, I think some of the lines are even directly lifted uh, to the one he gives the people of Martinez's camp here in the last uh, the last episode right. of the first half of season four. And, you know, these people are monsters. You saw what they did to me. Now you can see what they did to Martinez. And we got to go kill them. They're not even people anymore. They're just monsters. It's very, very similar. Yeah, you know, the governor has a big decapitated head fetish. We really seem to establish that in both forms. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So do we want to talk about Tyrese? Yeah, because there's a lot of differences there, not just in the character, but also the context. Yeah, and I feel like we've addressed them on previous shows, but we can certainly go over Tyrese as well. Yeah, I mean, he, Ricky, I, Rick, <laughs> Jim, you, <laughs> you said it best. I mean, he was, he, he's, he's been, again, at Rick's sounding board. It's kind of a... His kind of his Daryl, his Dale in the in the in the comic version. I mean, he's he's certainly he functioned in a more pivotal supporting status kind of guy that Rick can use as his his dependable first mate, so to speak, in the comic versus the TV show where he's hasn't been that so far. We haven't seen that that much. No, not so much. And when he's introduced, which is a lot earlier in the book than in the show, I think it's like issue seven or eight. Yeah. Um, it's not his sister. No. But it's Tyrese, his daughter. And her boyfriend, essentially, Chris, uh, the daughter's name is Julie, and uh, they eventually have a suicide pact and kill each other, which is why when Glenn and Maggie shave their heads, you think they're going to do the same thing. Yeah. Because it, you just hear about talking like hush whispers of they're going to do it, they're going to do it, they can't, you know, they got to be strong, they got to do it. And eventually you think they're going to follow Chris and Julie's example, but then they just show up with a shaved head and really short hair. Yeah. Kids. Yeah, the the Chris, <laughs> kids and their shaving packs. The Chris and Julie thing was pretty crazy because they, yeah, they bait like Julie lose. You know, basically they 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 get it on with each other, and it was her first time, and so it was just like they're. I guess they were trying to have like a perfect moment, and then just in their in their mind, it was they they were supposed to be together forever, and they were just supposed to count to three and shoot each other. And I guess Julie shot first, or no, Chris ended up shooting first. And Julie didn't get a chance to, and so he's he's kind of left behind. But and of course, Tyrese kind of goes off the off the first time first one of the first times that he goes off the deep end. And that that leads to a more justifiable reason of him kind of getting into a situation that we kind of see replicated in the in the TV show, where uh, Tyrese gets hammer happy and gets in the middle of a whole bunch of walkers, um, different dead. settings. Different settings, but yeah, you you think he's you think he died from that one, and he comes back later on in the comics. And the TV show, it's a fairly quick turnaround of you think he could have died versus he actually survived, kind of thing. Yeah, but the reasons involved seem much more justifiable in the comic than oh, I'm really angry because that girl I met like four weeks ago died. Like it, it just fits better. Yeah, even though she was probably <laughs> going to die anyway. Yeah, there just seemed to be so much more development of his character, and probably because he'd been around longer in the comic than in the show. I would guess. I mean, he's a relative new arrival to the show, but in the comic, he was, I think, in the second trade. It was pretty early yeah, on seven, in the story. Issue, issue seven or eight. Well, it was one or the other, yeah. Mm. It was like right before or after they got to the farmhouse. Right. So with that said, Aaron actually has to leave us a little bit early. So uh, have a good night, Aaron. We will miss you on the rest of the discussion. Yeah, for sure. I'll be sure to listen in. But thanks, guys. Thanks for having me on. I'll uh, be back next time. Same Walking Dead TV podcast time. Same Walking Dead TV podcast channel. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Good night, guys. Good night. So it's funny because Tyrese pretty much, it, you could swap him out for Herschel 
in the in the midseason finale. Tyrese is the one that the governor takes the sword. Like, he's captured outside the gates when, when they roll up, and the governor uses the sword on him. And same kind of concept. Like, it takes him, like, five or six whacks to, uh, to, to sever Tyrese's head. So that's kind of his his deal so he goes out in some similar fashion to herschel i was really bummed by that like i really like tyrese and when he got it i was just i was really i was really bummed yeah and it's weird to think now tyrese has been out of the comic longer than he was ever in it at this point but he's still oh, yeah. a character we think back on fondly yeah I, th- I think because the first 48 issues of this book just leave such an indelible mark on like there's so, there's so much that happens in those first 48 not that there isn't a bunch that's happened in the, you know, at now 70 issues since, but it's just like everything we think about as far as like what the walking dead is, I think can be summed up in those first 48 issues. Certainly a lot of it. Yeah. I mean, some of my favorite stuff happens later on in the book, but a lot of the really iconic images do come from that first 48. Indeed. As well as most of the, like uh, a lot of the big beats, story beats and plot points from, you know, what we've seen so far in the show. Right. Exactly. Yeah, the only things I think that they've brought from further along in the comics um, into the show already is uh, Rick going crazy and, and talking to Ghost Lori on the phone. That's pretty much the only storyline I can think of from stuff that happens after the first 48 issues in the comics that's already happened in the show. So now that we've finished talking about Tyrese, uh, before we finish out our discussion, Russ, why don't you tell us about our sponsor? Our sponsor for this episode of The Walking Dead TV Podcast is Discount Comic Book Service. That's DCBService.com. Uh, the January previews are out. We're in the middle of the month, so you've got plenty of time to comb through either the spreadsheet or the, the Word doc or the text or however you go about selecting your, your stuff, the website even. Some stuff that I want to highlight out. We're still in the bi-monthly era of, or uh, bi-weekly, I should say, era of The Walking Dead with the current storyline that they've they've got going on. So you can pick that up, uh, pick up issues 123 and 124. There's tons of other Walking Dead merch going on, too. There's a bunch of uh, T-shirts uh, they have for sale going on, uh, tons of other books and stuff. Uh, the other thing I want to point out this month, uh, as always, all the DC and Marvel newly solicited trades and hardcovers are all 50% off. Um, but this month from DC, there's actually something that's been solicited that's been on the uh, kind of in the planning stages or been talked about for almost six years now, and that's a book by Paul Dini. Um, and if you don't know Paul Dini, he's he was one of the big writers on Batman the Animated Series. He's done he's done a bunch of stuff, of Batman stuff for for DC over the years. Uh, he's r- actually writing now for Marvel cartoons. He's doing Hulk and the Agents of Smash, um, but he's put together a original graphic novel, uh, Black Canary and Zatanna Blood Spell. So this is like a, a original graphic novel with those two characters teaming up, who he has a, a huge fondness for. Uh, his wife is basically Zatanna, um, <laughs> Misty Lee. Uh, she she <laughs> she resembles Zatanna very much. But that book is is twenty two ninety nine retail price. It's fifty percent off for eleven forty nine. Um, and everything I've seen on it looks really cool. I believe, if I'm not mistaken, it's kind of an all ages friendly type of book. So it's very you know female characters front and center, which is, which is is really cool. Um, and it's been like I said, something in the planning stages for quite quite some time. So. Uh, if you're if you're so inclined, check that out. If you're into digital comics, like we mentioned before, uh, you can link your Comicsology account to Discount Comic Book Service and earn five percent back on your purchases. So if you love the digital, like a lot of us have been migrating more towards the digital, you can earn five uh, percent back to be applied towards a future purchase of 
any of the merchandise that you get on Discount Comic Book Service, like the aforementioned uh, OGN I just mentioned from Paul Dini. So again, Discount Comic Book Service, dcbservice.com. We thank them for their support of the Walking Dead TV podcast. Right on. So what else do we have from the first 48 issues that's the same, similar, or completely different from the show? Oh, we didn't talk about the prison. We did a little bit. Dexter, Axel, Andrew, and, and Thomas... And and they're very like the the four of them are very similar. I th- maybe not the way they look, but kind of how they're portrayed. Thomas in the in the show was given the name Tomas, and he kind of the similar like, you know, you kind and, and Rick didn't really trust him, but you know the fact that they let him live kind of caused trouble. Same thing in the book, uh, they were a little sus- uh, suspicious of the other of of Dexter and Axel, and they turned out to be pretty decent guys uh, who didn't didn't make it very far in the end. Um, but but again, kind of kind of similar. They played a similar role in the book as they did the show for sure. I think that's really all I have in my notes. Covered just about everybody. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so should we talk contest then? Yeah, yeah. Let's talk. Let's talk contest. Because boy, howdy, boys and girls, we have got a doozy of a contest, or at least uh, some doozies of prizes for you. Yeah. So we are lucky enough to get a really cool prize pack for the Walking Dead TV podcast. The prize pack will include. All four hardcover editions of the Rise slash Fall of the Governor books, which is is pretty awesome. So it's uh, The Walking Dead, The Rise of the Governor, The Walking Dead, The Road to Woodbury, The Walking Dead, The Fall of the Governor Part 1, and The Walking Dead, The Fall of the Governor Part 2. Now what's interesting is The Fall of the Governor Part 2 doesn't officially release until March 4th, 2014. So we've got some cool advanced copies, which when I announce the contest, the winner of the contest will be announced on the first show we do after the midseason per- premiere. So conceivably, it should be the week of February the 9th, um, which we'll win it. So you've got time to kind of put your thinking caps on. We'll also announce this show, uh, this contest in the next show we do uh, at the end of January. So in case folks didn't listen to this one because of all the spoilers, understandable, they'll still have another opportunity. I don't think for this contest we're going to really promote this on the Facebook page and the Twitter, other than to say there is a contest, please listen. Uh, so that'll that'll help your chances uh, for folks uh, that just kind of kind of point them to the show, I guess I should say. But the contest will be, and I kind of hinted at this on Facebook actually. A big part of season of the season has been the uh, the concept of the three questions, like the three questions that are asked of anybody potentially coming into the group and how they respond. And it's not really the answer they give so much as how they give it or what or you know how they say. So. What are your three questions that you would ask if you were in charge of the prison group or this group in general to bring people in? The trick is you can't match the questions from the show, so we want three original questions. So you want to email those answers to us at comments at walkingdeadtv.com. Uh, don't post them on Facebook or, or Twitter or anything like that. You know, We want each, each answer to be unique. We will pick a winner from random. So of all the entries that we get in, we'll pick one at random. That individual will win, um, like I said, one one copy of each book. So they'll get they'll be given four hardcovers of the entire series, so you could read it from start to finish, uh, which will be really awesome. And we'll have more contests to come related to to the release of this book. Uh, we got some really cool stuff. Um, again, the 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 books are. Um, Written by G- uh, Robert Kirkman and Jay Bonasinga. It is published by Thomas Dunn Books. Um, and we we want to thank them for their their support and helping out with this contest, the publicity folks at uh, St. Martin's Press. So that was awesome. So again, 
tell us what your three questions are for the group if you were leading it and email those to comments at walkingtedtv.com and uh, and we will pick a winner at random. It'll be fun because I think we'll, regardless of, of who actually wins, I'm, I'm pretty sure we'll read, um, if not all of them, then definitely most of the entries we get uh, on the show you know, at that time. So that'll be kind of fun to see what, uh, what, what, what people are thinking out there. And you're not allowed to use the three questions from Monty Python and the Holy Grail either. <laughs> yeah, they must be original. Answer me these questions three. So, with the contest out of the way, and definitely please enter, because those are some awesome prizes, I think that's it for this week's episode. So, until next time, you can send us a voicemail, 972-798-3830. That's 972-798-3830, and just let us know this for the Walking Dead TV podcast. Or you can send us an email, comments at walkingdeadtv.com. Don't forget to check out hhwlod.com for all of our great shows like Half Hour Wasted, The Long Box of Doom, The Black Box, Out Now, Jersey Shore, The Icapod Cranecast, and we've got some very awesome brand new shows. We've got Shaken Not Stirred, which is a James Bond retrospective podcast, and we have the Action Lab podcast, all about Action Lab comics, hosted by our very own Jim Dietz. Hello. And you can find all those shows at hhwlod.com and subscribe to them on iTunes or your podcatcher of choice. And of course, you can follow us on Twitter at WDTV Podcast and at hhwlod underscore network. And so until there's no more room left in hell in the dead walk the earth, remember, I can't wait till the next half of the season starts up. Have a good week, everybody. So long. Greens. Greens. Oh no, it's the Hudson Hawk Podcast. Hudson Hawk Podcast. (laughs) Hudson Hawk Cast now in its 27th year. Oh, see, now I go when I hear that song to. Is it Betty Boop? I don't know, Jordan. We're not all as old as you, so it can't go back. (laughs) (laughs) Betty Boop is even before my time. No, Little Lulu. Little Lulu. Little Lulu. I see there's been a modification to the Google Chair Drive page on the Walking Dead notes here. There's a lot of what? Oh, it just says. Now it just says dicks, 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 and. At the top of this Walking Dead thing, someone wrote that apparently. Oh, I don't see that. Oh, there it is. Yes. Yeah, there, there it is. <laughs> it's highlighted. <laughs> it is highlighted. And then when they got called on it, they were acting like dicks. They were just being like abusive and abrasive. Like and dicks, 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 dicks. Exactly, exactly like that, except one more dick. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> so never get enough. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Ain't that the truth? We should probably mention, I think, that wasn't this Renee Alvarado's idea? Did yes. Did you bring this up in the Facebook group? We should probably shout you are, out. Yes, Let's sir. just say we, can, we came up with this completely on our own. <laughs> yeah. We totally stole his idea. We are so smart. <laughs> <laughs>